The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith along with my co-host, Ethan Broga. Good afternoon, as usual, Ethan. Hey, Ken. Good to see you. Good to be here. This show is designed to share with you insights on how to become a better investor and make a lifetime of smart financial decisions through the nature of the topics we discuss with financial planning and investment management. It's a show for investors who are serious about their money and professionals out there that uh, want to share insights. Throughout the show, this show is uh, being uh, aired live as we speak. So if you want to chime in and uh, comment or add your comments to anything we're talking about today, please give us a call at that number, 866-472-5790. And I believe they will punch you right into the show here, Ethan. Um, I think that's true. You probably have. How many, how many lines we have, Simon? Like uh, 15 or 20 lines? How many are limited? Oh, we got a call right now. This is excellent. First caller. No, just kidding. Oh, okay. Uh, you can shoot us an email at, uh, where do they send the emails? Contact at EMPIRadio.com. That's contact at EMPIRadio.com. Ethan, <laughs> do you want to... Today I was hoping we would talk about on our program, I know the market was down a little, but uh, you know we tend to focus on bigger picture, longer term discussions that really do help uh, investors stay focused on making the right decisions and not necessarily the day-to-day market, what we call noise, or the media, the financial media's investment porn, as, as we like to refer to it as. Um, but today I thought we would pick up Last week, uh, the show that aired last week, we had left and we ran out of time. We were going to talk a little bit about um, an article written by uh, uh, one of the financial media guys. His name is Andrew Gluck, and he was talking about the former NAPA organization, which is a kind of a financial advisory organization. Yep. I'll let you talk. You're a member of that organization, Ethan, and I'll let That's you, correct. Uh, as we go through the article, let you talk about it a little bit. And he was calling into question the model um, of a commission-based type of compensation arrangement versus a fee only. And uh, I wanted to read that article and then dissect it. And again, if you're listening and you wanna, you're want to, you an advisor out there, you're an individual, individual investor, we'd love to hear from you, have you chime in. Before we, and then, Ethan, I thought uh, we could talk a little bit about retirement planning in these, what, what uh, people are calling turbulent and uncertain times. 
um, how that affects scenario planning for retirement and planning out a, a distribution and, and working on some of that. So I have some, some ideas Sounds on good. that, which are timely and appropriate. Before we do all that, though, Ethan, would you uh, mind telling a little bit about what we do at Empirical, how we can help people outside of our radio program here? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, of course, maybe we can speak to um, the individual investors out there. If you're if you're looking to, um, you know, basically for some some help and some guidance with your financial considerations, whether it be retirement planning, uh, education planning, um, any, any variety of financial planning topics, uh, we would love to hear from you. You know, we've offered it in the past, and we'll continue to do so. Um, a free sort of portfolio review and situational review. So um, we'd be happy to, to get together and discuss your personal um, situation and see how we might be able to help. Or if you're not interested in ongoing help, we even offer uh, hourly financial plans as well. So, um, again, the number to reach us is 866-472-5790. Actually, that's the, the hotline, I think, unless you want to talk about it over the air. Probably be better off us, giving us a call here at the office uh, at the, the headquarters in Seattle at 206-923-3474. And um, also, if you're an investment professional out there looking to partner up with a, a well-established firm, um, who has uh, lots of experience and, and resources to help you focus on your clients while um, we, we can take care of things on the on the back end with the, the rebalancing, the, the portfolio and the investment um, um, research and so forth, we'd be happy to speak with you as well. More specifically, I mean, we're, we're looking to grow around the country and add advisors to Empirical. We think we have a very good model of helping people yeah no question about it achieve their financial goals and stay on track and we do believe we increase their success um into doing that so we're looking for for ethical and and uh well trained and and credentialed advisors to help us support our growing growing client base excellent anything else ethan on that i think that sounds good regard to that no okay so let's uh Let's let's dive into this. I got a little background music on a roll while I'm reading the article. Kind of it inspires me. All right. So no. Rocky, themed Rocky. Uh, no, it doesn't have that exact. But, uh, okay. And so the article. I'm gonna cue that up. The article here is uh, one that we want to talk about. Was the called the moral compass of the financial advice profession is being reset. As fee-only advisors are tarnished again by scandal by uh, Andrew Gluck, and if you Google it, you just see it's on this for advisors for advisors page. Right. So it says for consumers seeking professional financial advice, the world used to be so simple: crooks took commissions, while fee-only financial advisors were good guys. The National Association for Financial Planning. The organization for fee-only planners were good guys. Ah, but those days ended long ago. Last week, we reported on a sworn affidavit by an FBI agent. I am an FBI agent. I just like to say that. I love that Uh, that quote. That contained fraud allegations against fee-only financial advisor Mark Spangler of Seattle. And I, that's how this whole article kind of caught my eye, uh, or was because this Mark Spangler is a local 
advisor in the area that we're happen to be I see. in Seattle. And he also happens to be the former president of NAPFA. Uh, Spangler thus became the second ex-president of NAPFA in three years to be accused of defrauding clients. I'm going to skip the uh, FBI documents here on their charges. In May 2009, James Putman, owner of an Appleton, Wisconsin RIA, uh, and who served as NAPA president immediately before Spangler, was charged by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission with accepting $1.24 million in kickbacks. For the fee-only advisor movement, allegations of fraud against two former NAPA presidents are so sad. Apart from the human tragedy for Putman and Spangler, as well as the clients they allegedly defrauded, corruption charges against two former luminaries in the fee-only movement shatter any illusion that one mode of advisor compensation is morally superior to another. Hold that in your thought process, okay, Ethan? We'll Check. Come back. I wanna, I wanna, I've got various questions and points I want to bring up about that. <clears throat> Okay, it's good. not the mode of compensation that determines whether an advisor is honest. This is Andrew Gluck here, the writer. It's the advisor. Napa was founded in the early 1980s, has always been regarded as a beacon in the financial advice industry. In the consumer press, reporters routinely cite Napa as a source for consumers looking for a financial planner. Napa has been a lead generation machine for its members, outflanking the Financial Planning Association with the, with this key member benefit. At the New York uh, Daily News and Worth from 1986 to 96, I was one of the many reporters in the consumer press who mentioned Napa and stories frequently. I used Napa's membership directory to find sources fast. It was like a Rolodex. Like the rest of the financial press, I bought I bought the notion that fee-only advisors are morally superior. I might have to continue this after the break, Ethan, but I'm going to keep hard charging. Okay. From 1996 through 1998, when Mar- when Mark Spangler led Napa, so it's 98 is when when he led it, ended that. I was transitioning from the consumer press to the trade press, and I launched a client newsletter business. Initially, I only sold my client newsletters to fee-only advisors because I worried that commission-taking advisor might use my words to rip off an investor. That's how much I believed in the moral superiority of fee-only advisors. And that's why I'm so deeply saddened by by the allegations of fraud against Spangler. Fee-only advisors portrayed themselves as more ethical than other advisors. They were supposed to be better than this. Over the last decade, however, I suspected the day was coming when being fee-only was no longer a legitimate differentiator among advisors. It's happened in slow motion, but it's still so upsetting. People get corrupted. They make compromises and lose their integrity. Fee-only advisors are ultimately about as dishonest as the next guy. Where does this leave the financial profession? I believe the moral compass of the profession is being reset. To be sure, scandals involving the leaders of fee-only advice movement forever end the right of fee-only planners to claim moral superiority. They deal with the deal. They deal a deal, a fatal blow to the notion that advisors working on a fee-only basis are more ethical than those who accept commissions. Let's take a quick break, Ethan, and we'll pick up on the rest of this article, and then we'll, we'll get into our commentary and get uh, all our listeners' feedback too. If they want to chime in. We'll be. Uh, We'll be back directly. Sounds good. 
business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken and Ethan. If you want to reach us and uh, chime in on the show here, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, or shoot us an email at contact at empiradio.com. Ethan, going into the break, I was finishing up this article by uh, this reporter, Andrew Gluck, um, about the... Former, well, two former NAPA presidents, and I'm going to have you explain a little bit about what NAPA is and what that means in a second. I just got a couple of more uh, paragraphs here to read about the article, and uh, I'm just going to pick up to be sure scandals involving the leaders. This is Andrew again, end of the article. Uh, to be sure, scandals involving the leaders of the fee-only <clears throat> advice movement forever end the right of fee-only planners to claim moral superiority. They deal a fatal blow to the notion that advisors working on a fee-only basis are more ethical 
than those who accept commissions. NAPA members for years have looked down on advisors who, who accept commissions, saying that it was an inherent conflict of interest. Meanwhile, many advisors who accept commissions have said NAPA members display an unwarranted, holier-than-thou attitude. If reason were to prevail, both sides would coalesce around mutually beneficial professional standards. Now that it is clear that the mode of compensation is not the determining factor in defining standards in the financial advice profession, other approaches can become the focus. That could be good. NAPA should issue publicly uh, address the integrity issue. Serious soul-searching is needed. That's the end of the the article, Ethan. So I thought maybe we could talk about this in a broader spectrum for our in our listeners. We believe everybody needs professional help. Um, yeah. And the more they begin to accumulate and uh, have at risk, even even more reason they should go out and, and have some some professional help. And that help should be as much as possible on the same side of the table and somebody that you trust. Um, but maybe talk up a little bit, Ethan, here. First, let's start with the, the NAPA organization. What exactly is this thing? Yeah, the NAPA organization, I, you know, I've, I've been a member now for a couple of years, and I'm looking at their website now just to, so I can read it to you folks. Um, they basically have three guiding principles. Um, the first one is to be a beacon for independent, objective financial advice for individuals and families. Uh, number two, to be the champion of financial services delivered in the public interest. And then number three, to be the standard bearer for the emerging profession of financial planning. So, in essence, um, they have two two other objectives, which is fee-only advice. So, advice that is delivered within the context of uh, the client's whole situation. And also have the compensation be delivered uh, without any any commissions, basically. So, basically, they don't have any products to sell, that sort of thing. uh, Just more holistic financial planning advice. Um, so that's kind of the essence of, of NAPFA. And to be a member, you have to go through a bit of a process. You have to submit a, um, um, a sample financial plan that details with all the different aspects of, of financial planning. And then have that peer reviewed and then accepted uh, by NAPFA, and then you can become a member. So it isn't like you just go ahead and sign up and all of a sudden you're a member. you got to go through a pretty good series of hoops and work to become a member of the organization. Right. It's not, not an easy thing by any means. Well, so is it a requirement then, uh, just to clarify this fee-only, uh, that you work in a fee-only capacity? Correct. you got to be fee-only, and you got to deliver comprehensive advice. Okay. In other words, you can't just uh, offer advice that's situational relative to, say, only, only, takes into account the entire financial picture rather than one, one particular thing in isolation. Okay. So would it be reasonable then <clears throat> that... I mean, does it say anything about moral superiority and their charter of a fee-only model, or did they say, "Hey, we're we're an organization that is working with fee-only advisors, and so that's part of the requirement is because we don't we don't want these all mixed in. We just for this organization, right? You can't have no other forms of compensation. So, I mean, where does it say? Is there anywhere on there where it talks about moral superiority of a fee-only advisor? Is that I, I haven't gone through the whole site, but it just says that uh, I'm just curious. they're looking for highly trained professionals who are committed to, uh, to working in the best interest of those individuals they serve. 
And in the view of NAPFA, in my personal opinion, is that NAPFA, or rather the, uh, the fee-only model, is, is the best method for that to avoid conflicts of interest. Now, when they say former and, and some of the things, because it talks about a fiduciary oath, uh-huh. if you're an investor and you're making a decision, um, to me it seems like common sense. I, I'm, I'm a little shocked that it took this Andrew person 10 years to figure out that, that, <laughs> that there could be a corrupt person yeah. um, who decides to go in a fee-only platform. I, I, it, it seems so obvious to me that it's almost ridiculous that – of course, individuals, just like you have corrupt police officers, corrupt politicians, doctors, corrupt doctors, right. people that we put in, in very um, trusting positions, exactly. right, where the, the public relies on yeah, corrupt people who run charitable organizations and foundations, religions, uh, other things that have as their mission to do good for the public and right. for the people that they serve. And then you have the, the the individual being corrupt, and right. But does that does that necessarily diminish the ideals of some organization, or and what it what it may stand for? Um, so something that was set up to do good, does one corrupt person who no longer works at the organization, by the way, and hasn't been the in charge of the organization for ten years yeah, or more? As I read further on. Um, a little bit of additional research, like with the the um, the most recent one here, the Spangler guy. Um, not only was he not doing that, I don't think he was doing fee only financial planning or advice. He was involved in private equity dealings and was raising capital. And what he was being charged with, in essence, was hey, you told investors you were putting their money in publicly traded securities, but you actually put it into private companies that you were funding that right. he was involved in. Right, so one of them was this Tamarack group, um, but I don't know how that relates to the fee only flaw, being a flaw. So if you hold all things equal and say, "Hey, you know, there are going to be," um, and to me, if it was on an individual level, a criminal, I, I would think, would much rather have something that provides them the guise of uh, rather than. Be in a in in a in a system that is flawed from the beginning. Wouldn't if you were a criminal? Wouldn't you rather go to a system where you say, "Hey, as far as I, I have less to overcome," right? You know, then if I'm working in the bank, I probably have more access, right? To get it, it just seems natural to me that that wouldn't necessarily mean, you know, a criminal is going to go. Well, geez, I'm not going to take a job with a fee-only advisor because they're too ethical there, you know, or. Yeah, sure. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm on a journey here with you. But the real question then would be: Does this call into question um, if you were an individual, if it was your Ethan, your wife, your parents, family members, brothers? Would you say, "Hey, really, it doesn't matter. Go to a commission-based advice solution, um, or go to one that's set up by some firm that has a lot of stuff going behind right. the scenes and money's being kicked right. back and paid and or would you say, you know what, I wouldn't mind it. I, I think I'd prefer if you went to a guy or a girl who got paid to give you advice, independent you know, advice. And it didn't matter what product. you know, They weren't recommending products because they were getting kickbacks from those products. Or they got a higher commission on that product or because it's what the company told them to sell. Uh, they really had the independent ability to be independent in their thought process. 
and weren't worried about how they were going to compensate for the time they were putting in. It was either on an hourly basis, some form of a retainer, or some percentage of those assets that they were managing. Right. And what, what's your view on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, it might be you still have a far better likelihood of funding somebody who's going to do the right thing for you, in my view, uh, in, a, in a feeling environment than a commission environment. Um, I, don't, I don't know how that that changes, you know, this this um, situation changes that. You know, I, I don't know how that. How, I think you're far more likely. You know, they're all good and bad apples in, in both in both structures, right? I, there's going to be people. Well, it's only one. It's only one criteria. It's only one uh, screen that you would run, right? Yeah, isn't the but only. But we one. know there's lots of fee-only advisors that do things like launch hedge funds, right? Sure. That are the biggest scam around. But they're not being, you know what I mean? They're still charging a fee to do that. Right. And I would say, hey, those advisors are really just manipulating. Either they they don't know the statistics, they don't know what's really goes on, or they do know, and they make they they're doing it as a sales tactic. Right. Right. And that was part of the last show we were talking about with the hedge funds. There's fee only advisors out there that peddle hedge fund stuff and these alternative investments that don't work are illiquid and. You know, really aren't good for investors in our view. Yeah, in those situations, a lot of times the the fee only exists within the product itself. In, in those situations, right? Even though they're fee only, generally speaking, they don't charge their management fee plus the internal cost of those hedge funds. The compensation they receive is attached to the product itself, which that means in that relationship it isn't it isn't fee only anymore. You know, they may be fee only for other it's stuff. It's in the hedge fund. They're charged. They're not charging, say, a flat one percent. Right. No. No. Some of these situations are where, hey, we've created our own fund of hedge funds, or we've created our own um, alternative investment asset classes, in which the compensation structure may be a fee type of a deal, but it's different than how they charge on their publicly traded securities. That right. Is that, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's true too. So, I, but so there's other other advisors who do things with you know historically with soft dollars and all kinds of other arrangements. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're ethical or that they. It's one criteria to say, hey, I, I wouldn't mind having a. If I had to make a choice now, knowing everything I know, uh, in spite of what what I think Andrew's missing some significant details in his analysis. I certainly would say, geez, I don't want someone who's going to recommend that I sell everything in my portfolio and buy new stuff every year and, and charges me 5% load funds to do that. Yeah. Um, or just because of the nature of their compensation, they're held back from from giving me the best possible advice. Because maybe they are ethical and they say, hey, I don't, I don't want to do that, but, but the fund really does need to be sold. It's the flawed nature of that arrangement that, that makes it not so Yeah, bad. I agree. I agree. I guess we've got to take a break. We'll come back. I know you're excited about this topic, Ethan. No doubt about it. All right, sit tight. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio. 
Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor, or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Uh, Empirical Investing Radio, uh, your co-host Ethan Broga alongside Ken Smith today talking about an article uh, we found um, written by a gentleman here in Seattle um, uh, talking about the, the recent uh, or an older former president of the NAPFA organization has been, uh, looks like, uh, indicted here recently for some, some wrongdoing. And uh, we're just kicking around the ideas in the article uh, posed by um, Andrew Gluck. And if indeed the the fee only model is is dead in a way. Well, I think in the beginning of his article it says uh, the world used to be so simple. Crooks took commissions while fee only advisors were good guys. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I don't believe that was significantly oversimplification, right? Yeah, it's a lot more complicated uh, I, than that. I think the the choice of compensation and stating, "Hey, I'm I'm going to work with an independent company that doesn't have a." An investment uh, brokerage arm, for example, that's making markets and securities or doing underwriting and all the things that were going on with the big wirehouses that uh, you know have 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 to been to the detriment of the average individual investor that utilized those services to to rely on objective investment advice, right? I, I don't know that saying, hey, I, I, and I going in the break, we were talking about this, that um, you can have nobody. I, I've never thought that people who worked in commission-based um, 
investment uh, firms themselves were necessarily unethical or what he calls crooks. Yeah, right. I don't know that's ever been the common wisdom for anybody, right? Or why are they such a large portion of the marketplace still? Yeah. Uh, and I've never ran around saying that. I don't know if you have. I think what we've said is, hey, we in our careers as we developed from being young and 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 uh, making a decision about which direction we wanted to become advisors and be mm-hmm. able to deliver advice, it was more a decision about, hey, are there are there inherent conflicts within these kinds of models? Right. Um, that even if I never thought, well, geez, if I go this way, then I'll become a crook, or I will compromise my ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, but does it is it a situation where I am free to pursue the best solution for my clients without having to deal with a corporate structure in, in, in many cases in which the advisors on the ground, the brokers may not even, they're getting these investment reports that say buy this particular stock. It's our company research department says this is a strong buy. Mr. Client, I think we should put that in our account as a part of your diversified portfolio. Well, they don't necessarily know that the firm and the other side was saying, hey, you better, we want the underwriting business from these companies. So the analysts better put buy ratings, even though the analysts were the, actually the unethical ones, right? Who said, hey, this stuff is garbage. Right. I don't, I don't think that's what we were saying that the guy recommending to the client was necessarily a crook because he didn't even know. But if you didn't have that system, right? You weren't delivering advice within that system. That framework, exactly. That framework, then you don't have those kinds of issues. Nobody with any common sense at all would think that, well, just because of the nature of whether it's a commission-based system or that, that the individuals in those are necessarily more of them are crooks versus others, right? Yeah. It's just the choice of having a better model to yes. work under. And in our view, I don't think that is even questionable whether or not, hey, if, if things I recommend to you, if I've got a menu of things that I'm going to recommend to you, and some of those things on the menu pay me more and some pay me less and some are proprietary firm products and some aren't. It just so happens that the proprietary ones pay me more and they come up more on the list from the corporate guys. I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily calling anybody a crook, but certainly it's not something I want to be, have to work in and have some manager saying, Hey, why didn't you sell X many of these this month? You know, the firm's really got a good supply of this and you having to explain why, Hey, well, that wasn't the best particular product. That's a tough environment that I don't, would choose not to work in. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know that that I, I think that that the taking the individual out of the equation and looking at the models themselves and saying, hey, is there a better are, are one of these better um, for the client? And as you pointed out, well, that's just one filter that I would utilize to say, hey, I don't I don't necessarily want to work with a firm that um, has somebody on the sales and who may be entirely ethical, but they have very little control about what's going on and the conflicts that may be built into this corporate structure. You know, hey, they, they've got a, a menu of choices, some of which they get paid more, some of which they get paid less. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that goes to this fiduciary issue, which I wanted to ask you about then. You know, do, if, you're, if you are acting in a fiduciary capacity versus the traditional brokerage model of non-fiduciary but suitability, Yeah. There's a lot wider scope, I, I think, of, of potential recommendations when you're just held to that 
general suitability that, hey, there, I don't have to necessarily find the solution that best fits for you. I just have to fit one, find one that is appropriate for you right. or suitable for you. Exactly. Versus how do you, how do you, how do you contrast that against the fiduciary standard? I mean, in both models, I mean, you're really, if you ask the person asking advice, person who's giving advice in, in the fee only or the commission based environment, I, I bet they would say, yeah, I, I think this is reasonable and this is, I'm doing what I think is in their best interest. You know, most, I think virtually everybody would say that's true. Um, but a lot of times they don't, they're not the same recommendations, obviously, right? Right. So there is, there's obviously something going on there, and I think you just hit on it. It's the difference between the, the fiduciary standard and the suitability standard. standard. The suitability means, just, hey, it's reasonable, basically. I can justify the recommendation. But the fiduciary standard has a much higher um, uh, higher sort of level of, uh, of reporting, right? You have to, literally has to be in the client's best interest, right? That's, that's a big difference, I think. Um, I think, more importantly, more broadly speaking, um, the fee only, like you, we just touched on, is, is really only one filter that I would use to help guide my decision to who, for whom to work with. That's the bigger picture, right? So that's one thing. The other thing would be, I, I think that's important, is that the person that you're working with doesn't custody assets. Right. Like you can avoid, just those two things alone would avoid a huge number of problems that arise, would eliminate Well, that issues. was the Mark Spangler situation. I mean, if they were, if the assets were custodied in their, in the investor's own account at uh, a brokerage, uh, some independent custodian, right? Yeah. Um, I, it would be very hard for me to believe that he would say, oh, geez, hey, you, you're invested in these companies. But really, he put the money in some private companies. <laughs> right. It's because he he must have had custody of those assets. They must have sent him a check that he was holding, in some must have account, and then it went into private companies and said, "That's any of those situations." We've talked about that repeatedly, like with Madoff and exactly um, where there's not an independent custodian that you can call. Anytime and say, hey, what, what's in my account? Right. That you'll get it, you're getting statements and confirmations directly from that independent third party from yeah. um, that they have their own set of regulations to go by. So yeah, and then the next thing I and we talked about this off the air before we, we get on today, but you know, having no not, not using any in-house investments, you can do those three things: fee only, no custody of assets, and no in-house investments. Man, you're going to eliminate 99.9 percent of possible problems that could exist. Out there, within the context of, of an advice and an, an investment experience as a as a consumer, you're certainly going to reduce them, and you certainly, yes. if you know what the fund companies are. I mean, I, I'd like to do a little reading about the previous um, president who says there was kickbacks. I, I don't know who he was getting kickbacks from because I didn't. I don't know that article. Yeah. Um, but if 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 you knew the fund companies. Um, Certainly, you'd be able to verify some of that independently as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, to find out, you know, was there a situation where kickbacks were more easily? uh, And that's what I want to find out. And I'll I'll get that information. We'll talk about it next show. But um, and then the uh, various credentials that are out there. There's a lot of them. Yeah. But for me, the the real important ones are the certified financial planner, CFP, Mm -hmm. um, a CPA. Uh, and on the investment side, if someone's doing primarily research, maybe the CFA. Yeah. Although I don't believe the CFA to be the best possible designation for someone doing um, general one-on-one financial planning. Yes, right. Um, there's really not a lot of planning involved. It's more about securities analysis. Right. Um, so it, 
it's a good one, but it I I, I like the other the CFP because it is so broad and very well rounded. But each of those organizations have a code of ethics um, that can be brought up by cl- clients can can report to those agencies, other bro- investment advisors, peers, and a lot of us go through a, a lot of work to get those credentials, and we don't want to see them yanked away. Right. Um, so it's just another level that I would say, hey, I would. I'm not saying that people who carry those credentials are not uh, cannot be corrupt either. Yeah. Um, but let's put this all in perspective as well, Ethan. You've got thousands and thousands of very ethical, good financial advisors out there that aren't ripping people off. Um, it. If if there were if all of them were crooks, we probably wouldn't hear about it as much as we do in the media. It's because they they they're it's a rare drooling thing. to find somebody who's ripped somebody ripped an investor up, right. so they can report it because it is always so shocking right. um, that it, that when it happens. But I don't want you to believe that that's the majority or anywhere near. You yeah, know, not even the, close. The vast majority of, of what goes on in all those worlds, whether it's the commission side or the fee only side. Agreed. What else do you have to say about that, Ethan? And I, I'd like to uh, shift into a little bit of retirement chat before, and then we get into the next segment. Yeah, I, just in summary, I guess it, yeah, the, let's summarize. The, the timing of all these things with the with this, the Mark Spangler allegations and so forth. So he, he wasn't working again in a. In a in a fee-only environment at the time in which he, these allegations were had, had taken place. Or these I don't believe so, no. Yeah, and, you know, it, it wasn't the president of the... Yeah, he wasn't currently the president of NAFTA. It's 10 years ago. And uh, so, I, I don't know. I, I find that this, this is a, the article's a little over, over the top with, with its conclusions. I, and I, I guess in terms of that particular organization, I'm not saying everyone should trust any organization like that. I mean, but... Uh, I certainly wouldn't disparage the what they stand for, because someone who used to work there ten years ago sure. wound up doing something unethical. Imagine if every company that was out there um, was held accountable to what <clears throat> previous employees do after they ten years after they leave the company. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? It, it seems a little absurd to me if you were to say, "Hey, there was uh, somebody that worked at GE ten years ago. They left." And then they wound up doing something fraudulent or whatever. Right. So, should everyone stop utilizing GE products? I don't. I don't really quite get that. Or does it diminish what, what, what values GE or any other company might have? Sure. Um, I don't think so. I agree. Enough said. We've got to take a breather. We'll come back for the last segment. And start talking about a little retirement. Let's do action. it. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. 
Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Hey, so for this last last segment, Ken, we were going to talk about, um, I believe, some unique retirement ideas. Is that right? Well, I don't know how unique, but uh, I thought we could just bounce some ideas off, give our listeners some food for thought. Um, and I know you've you've put a lot of effort into a program that we've been working on for clients who are getting close, uh, related to the decisions about Social Security, for example, mm-hmm. how to maximize that. And I think with the lower market returns the last few years now, uh, people really have to look at all the areas where there's certainty. And we talk about where hey, if we're gonna if we're gonna take advantage of maximizing our wealth, yeah. start with the areas that are controllable and certain first before you're worried about picking stocks or you know things that on a day to day basis are very hard to control. Agreed. And so those kinds of things are minimizing taxes, right? Yep. Maximizing pensions and payouts, um, uh, Distributing funds from your various uh, asset buckets in a most in the most efficient way on a mm-hmm. tax basis and, and uh, making it last. So I know you have put a lot of effort into designing what you are calling five secrets to a successful retirement um, that revolve around some of these decisions. Yep. And what I've been spending some time on lately is thinking about the distribution decisions. Uh, and yet, I was just reading an article in the Financial Planning Journal, Journal of Financial Planning, mm-hmm. um, Scenario Planning for a Complex Retirement Outlook, and talks about you know how how people's views about retirement are changing. You know, clearly they're they're assuming lower lower rates of return in the in the future than they have in the past. And a little comment, I'd like to talk about that for a second, but it is kind of interesting if you were looking in the late '90s what what planners probably and investors were using <laughs> as returns yeah. uh, for figuring out how much money do I need in an account to retire and then how much can I withdraw, um, how the, those numbers were probably artificially higher than they should have been, and how now I would suspect that a lot of people, professionals and, and individuals, may be using numbers that are very low. And so one thought I, I had, and uh, and you think about traditional planning, that um, you need to figure out, well, how much should I have in a bucket, you know, when I when I get to retirement, and then what you kind of do is say, okay, well, once I have that amount, and then I back out taxes, and I understand what those buckets look like, right? And so in your presentation, you talk about you have your taxable accounts, 
which uh, you know money going into that is after tax. Right. Investment earnings and and capital gains are taxed along the way as they're realized or distributed. Yep. And uh, and then when you make withdrawals out of that account, to the extent that it's the principal you're pulling out and not not realized gains, it's it's going to be after tax as well. And then you've got your pre-tax buckets, which are your traditional IRA accounts and 401ks that were pre-tax. Now you can, for a lot of companies now, you can do a Roth within a 401k. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some unique benefits of that. Uh, if if in your plan you don't have a lot of any anything or a lot into a Roth, even if you're in a high bracket, I like the ability to put in because the individual Roth accounts, if you, your income gets you, you if your income goes up you basically become phased out of being able to make a contribution to that right so um, that's a decision that someone can make and those pre-tax if you put it in pre-tax you get your, your current immediate deduction but the principal and the investment earnings come out come out uh, uh, and are taxed as ordinary income right in that bucket which may or may not be the the best deal, um, yeah, it depends at all on all periods risk. of your life. Right, exactly. So that's part of your talk, right? Is hey, when we we look at converting, you know, does it make sense to take if I've spent my lifetime and someone who's getting near sixty now hasn't a good chunk of their time probably was putting into a pre-tax bucket? Yeah, usually. Was, you know, what ninety-seven when the Roth came out, nineteen ninety-seven, I think, is sounds about right. The time. Um, so maybe they have ten or eleven years, but if they they were in the peak of their earnings right during that period, someone who's sixty now was probably hit it was in a, a pretty good peak. So they may not even have been able to put in a Roth much. Um, so you talk about the the benefits of looking at conversion, particularly if you're retiring before you're you know you're 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 before you're seventy and a half, and have to start making those RMD, those required minimum distributions. Right. And age fifty to seventy, there's a lot of planning we can do around your tax bracket. And if you stop working, you're not going to have as much income. So you can you can start doing that. That's right. And then you have that Roth, which if you can put in along the way, it's after tax but comes out completely tax free. Yep. And then we talk a lot about, well, how do you strategize in such a way that you put different types of investments in each of these buckets or pools mm-hmm. so that you maximize that? And all the point of that, right? None of that really requires any. I mean, we're, if we do this planning, it, it can literally add up to thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of an average investor's lifetime on the average person, what they need when they're age 50 or 60. And they're thinking about retiring or 65 even. Um, and it, it's a lot of money that has nothing to do with market withdrawal. That's right. Exactly market, right. Stock market returns. Right. But coming back around on the on the return thing, I think that um, you know, looking at returns and dividing it up over your entire retirement time horizon and dividing up your goals is something that I'm designing and working on that uh, I think we'll be able to incorporate Rather than having it all in just one big bucket or one big pool, um, I, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about and working on how do you solve this distribution issue? I need to get this amount of money out of my portfolio, and I need it. And maybe there's different phases that people have, right? You know, we 
Jack wrote a paper, one of our partners, a while ago about that. That hey, the first ten years into retirement, I'm taking out a lot. I'm traveling while I'm healthy. The next ten years, maybe things go down, but the ten years after that, uh, my expenses go back up because medical costs and things of that nature, and then they phase back down again. Yeah, but it's really the biggest issue I think most people face if they don't want to just wing it and say, hey, I'll, I hope this works out. One one night I'm going to El Gaucho down here in Seattle. And if that doesn't work, you know, pretty soon I'll be at Denny's. But I'm okay with that. But if you like a little more certainty, right, uh, and you want to make sure you're not living under the bridge here because you spent your money too quickly, it right. takes some serious thought and planning. And again, the more things we can whittle away at that are certain, the better. Um, and then we'll get to market returns. And I think there's a solution for how you approach that. But uh, we've only got about a minute. So I think maybe we'll use this as kind of the opener for the next program. Sounds good. I will, and I'll share a little bit more about some of the things that I, I've been working on for to, to solve this um, retirement issue, which I think is probably one of the most pressing things for the baby boomers um, who've accumulated a certain amount of wealth. They've gone through some good markets, but now they're, they've gone through some tough markets. And i and I got to believe they're scared. And so they're not getting a lot sitting in, in fixed income. But maybe they're too afraid. to. They don't know what the right mix of stocks is. Um, and they just don't know how to get this put together that's going to last them in their lifetime. Right. Uh, and it, it takes a lot of planning and a lot of thought process. Agreed. And that goal may be separate from the goal of, hey, I wouldn't mind leaving something or having some kind of a cushion along the way. So I want to talk a lot about that maybe over the next several shows because I think it's so important. And the more volatile the market is... Uh, and the more scary things look, I think the more important and critical this is to get it right. So, and to get some help along the way, and that's what we want to try to do. Exactly. Anything else, Ethan, before, uh, I think that's a good stopping point. I mean, we got a few seconds here. Uh, no, I'm looking forward to the conversation. I think that uh, it'll be, be enlightening and um, be exciting to share with people. Okay. Well, man, we'll, we'll, again, we'll start next week's show with a little bit... Uh, on this retirement issue. Sounds great. All right. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, tune in next week. Have a great week. We'll, we'll see, you right, see you next week. Take care. America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week.